Luke chapter 22. I know we uh, cover this every now and then. Seem like we'll come back to this scripture and it's nothing new to us. Uh, just a simple thought this morning that God's placed on my heart. Uh, we're going to pick up three or four verses here starting in verse 39. It says, And he came out and went as he, w- as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Uh, we'll stop reading there with verse 42, and just want to say this before we start. I, I love how, like I said, we've went over this scripture so many times, and uh, just knowing how much I've preached it, Brother Jack, there's no telling how many times I've read it. Uh, but that's a wonderful thing is I, uh, the Lord will still bring something new to your mind as many times as you would read over uh, the same Scripture. And so I want to point out this morning, if you look in verse 41, this is where I really want to look at and, and draw our thought from this morning. It says, And He was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. The disciples were sleeping. They were in the garden with Him, yet they were completely in another world from where Jesus was mentally. Uh, I don't believe that the disciples necessarily knew what was going down. And and I've said this before, Jesus knew the whole time that He was going to a cross. And the disciples, you know, they even, you can read where they ask, you know, when's, when's this kingdom coming that you keep talking about? When is this kingdom going to come into play? When are you going to sit on the throne? When are we going to reign? Uh, and they asked, and, uh, and he even told them, it's not for you to know, and you're not going to understand. Uh, but you'll even see where as uh, the men came to take Jesus, uh, Peter, he, he pulled a sword out and he cut. Uh, one of the fellow's ears off. And that's even a sign of they had no idea that Jesus had to go to the cross. They didn't understand, rather. They didn't comprehend uh, that Jesus had to go to the cross in order for His kingdom to be uh, brought one day in the future. And it's still not here yet, but it's uh, above. And it'll be one day we'll reign with Him. But they did not understand this. And so they didn't realize what Jesus realized. They didn't realize that they needed to be praying for what was about to come through. They didn't realize that they needed to be praying for themselves and even all of humanity. But Jesus did. I find this morning that the disciples were over here. And I love how the Lord pointed this out to me. I love how it says it was just a stone's cast. That's real simple. You know, it's not an exact measurement. But you can just imagine, uh, it's not really a, a, a chunking of a stone, a stone's cast. Jesus was simply just a toss of a rock of a distance away from the disciples, yet in two entirely different mindsets. This morning, when the disciples knew not what was going on, when the disciples knew not of how 
uh, hey, Judas, he's walking down the trail. He's coming through the woods. He's about to show up with these men that he's led uh, to betray and, and to lead Jesus to the cross. Uh, they knew not that Judas was about to do this. They knew not uh, that, that Jesus was about to go and to suffer and to be tortured and to be crucified. They were asleep. They were out of it. They were not uh, conscious of what was going on. But just as stones cast away... Uh, not even a few yards away, Jesus was sweating great drops of blood. He was on His knees. He was begging of the Father, Lord, Father, I need the strength to do what You would have me to do. And I love how, it, I, I can't remember, I've got my notes covered up in my Scripture. Uh, I tend to do that every now and then, but I can't remember if it's in this Scripture uh, or not, if it's in one of the other Gospels I know. Uh, that it says the angels came and strengthened him. Y'all might can nod your head at me if it does say that. I got my notes covered, but um, there, there's an account in one of the gospels, at least, where it says the angels came to strengthen Jesus as he was praying. I want to be an encouragement to you this morning. Say, so what's this all about? What What are you getting at? I simply want to be an encouragement when life seems many times like we're in a place that we're alone. We don't have any idea what's going on nor what's to come. And we feel like we are just completely out of it. We're completely out of the loop. We're completely just left alone. We're an outcast and we are just stranded. We have no idea what we're doing. Just as stones cast away this morning, somebody is praying for you. We feel alone, uncared for. So many times we think we're just without help. And you say, where is my help at? Your help comes from the Lord and there's somebody uh, beseeching God on your behalf this morning. God has those whose hearts He burdens for you. You, you say, what is the point in the church? What is the... And, and listen, I believe with all my heart, I believe in the local visible body of the church of God. I believe that there is a church, there's an assembly for a reason. You say, what is one of those reasons? Because... The church is here praying for those that are sent out from it. We have those that are praying. And I've experienced times where somebody has simply just said in a text message or in a phone call, maybe in a letter. I still get letters in the mail, surprisingly, in 2024. I've had letters come in the mail. And just simply, we're praying for you. Maybe a little love offering or maybe just a card just to say we're praying for you. And I hadn't heard from that person in years. And I thought, Lord, you just knew what I needed. Lord, you just knew that I needed to hear we're thinking of you. We're praying for you. You're on our hearts. This morning I believe that, and I know that God burdens Christians' hearts. You need to be praying for them. Just randomly put so-and-so on your mind. I don't know about y'all, but I've had that happen to me. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. You Christians here you that are saved, you, you got the Holy Ghost leading you hard and uh, God convicts your heart. There's times that God will simply just wake you up in the night and say, just say a name to your heart. Open your eyes. Maybe not exactly like that, but you might just be going through, through your day and all of a sudden you just start thinking about somebody. And you think, you know, I hadn't really thought about that person in a while. And you feel burdened, you feel burdened to pray for them. God does that. I believe that's one of the things, you know, we talked about the Holy Spirit last Sunday and not being ashamed of 
being led by the Holy Spirit. I believe that's one of the things that He does. He puts burdens on your hearts uh, that you have no reason why. You, you have no idea why. You don't understand the reason why, but He puts a burden on your heart anyway. What a blessing that is. While the disciples had no idea what was going on, Jesus had them on His mind. He was beseeching the Father on their behalf. You say, well, He was praying for strength for Him. We're going to turn to another account here in just a second, and I'll prove you otherwise. Jesus was praying for all of mankind. He was sweating great drops of blood, is what it said, as great drops of blood. Y'all, He was praying for something great. He was praying for the greatest mission to ever be fulfilled. And that was for you and I. He wasn't just praying for strength for Him physically to endure. He had to bear the sins of the world. He was praying for you and I. This morning, you never know who's praying for you. But I want to encourage you, there is someone, somewhere, that has your name on their heart. If no one else... You say, I don't believe that, preacher. How do you know? I'll tell you this. If no one else, Jesus is going to the Father on your behalf on a regular basis. Turn to John chapter 17 and we'll try to dig up some more material to bring this point across. John chapter 17. We're going to try to read most of the chapter here, so y'all just have to bear with me. I'll try to be quick. You look at verse 1, it says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, and He started praying to the Father. And I just want to pick up here in verse 5. Before we read, this was the same account of what we just read. This was the same place. Jesus was praying before everything was about to go down. Uh, it just goes into a little bit more detail here. Look at verse 5. Jesus said, And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self with the glory which I, had, which I had with Thee before the world was. I have manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and Thou gavest them me, and they have kept Thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever... Thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. He says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. Uh, speaking of lost, speaking, uh, he, he's not praying that God would strengthen the lost or strengthen the evil and the wicked. He's saying, I'm not praying for them. He says, but for them which Thou hast given me, for they are Thine, and all mine are Thine, and Thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to Thee, Holy Father, keep through my, Thine own name those whom Thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. And I, I tell you what, we'll skip uh, just a little bit because it gets a little lengthy and for the sake of time. Uh, but you'll, you'll find that especially here in verse 11, He's saying, I am about to descend. I'm about to be out of here. This thing's about to be wrapped up before I am led to the cross, crucified, buried, and resurrect. 
and I come up to be with you once again. He said, I'm leaving. But he says, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. He says, Holy Father, keep through mine own name, thine own name, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. He's saying, as I'm leaving, I'm praying for these disciples. These, not just the twelve. I don't believe it was just the twelve disciples that walked with Him every day. I believe Jesus was praying for all the ones that He had touched and He uh, uh, that, that had believed on Him. He's saying, Lord, they're going to need Your comfort. Father, they're going to need You in their life. And you skip down to... Uh, Look at verse verse 20. He said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And just the rest of the chapter, he's praying on the behalf of the disciples. I believe he's also praying for all believers. He said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. This morning, Jesus goes to the Father on our behalf. He prays to, to the Father for us. He's going to the Father on, on our part. There is someone called Jesus who is beseeching the Father for you today. You say, I'm just alone. I'm in this thing alone. Nobody's thinking about me. Nobody's there for me. Nobody is praying for me. I, I, am, I am trying my hardest to just live this life and glorify God, but I feel like I'm just by myself. This morning you are not by yourself. First of all, you have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother is what the Bible says, and that friend is Jesus. And He is going to the Father on your behalf. But I am fully convinced that we have a church, and you are part of a church, and you wonder why. All the time I say, Lord, uh, I, I wish to goodness that so-and-so was at church. I wish uh, that, that we'd see more at church because they don't realize that they're missing out on a church and a family that has them on their mind. It's a blessing this morning. I want to take a turn here, switch gears a little bit, and, and point out a few more things and then I'll hush. On the flip side... Church, this morning, listen to me. We need to pray. You, you say, well, duh. But listen, we need to pray specifically for others. I don't believe in just a blanket prayer that you can throw over every... You know, that's lazy is what that is. You say, well, I ain't got a lot of time to pray, blah, whatever. I, I don't want to just throw a blanket of prayers. Just, Lord, you know what's on my heart, Amen. Lord, just, you know, all those that, you know, that we need to pray for, I'm praying for them right now. And I know we ain't perfect. I know we can't remember everything. I, look, I, I usually try to write down things, and y'all see me up here scribbling, and I still forget a lot of things. I, I got Trinity backing me up trying to write down things, and she'll forget things. I know we ain't perfect, but let's specifically try, Lord. You know the church's needs. Lord, you know my family's needs. Lord, you know the needs of so-and-so that's lost and, and all the lost. And I believe it's our duty to pray specifically for others. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
Brother Barry, I don't believe that just looks like just a, a blanket prayer. Just something you just... Just a broad, uh, lazy prayer. I'm not trying to be ugly. But in effect, the effectual, fervent prayer. I believe that's somebody on their knees that is... His mind is specifically focused on certain needs of certain people. And he's praying hard. Daddies, pray for your children. Specifically. Mamas, wives, pray for your family. Specifically. Husbands, pray for your wives. Specifically. We ought to beseech the Father on the behalf of our loved ones on a regular basis. I think of Job. Job chapter 1 and verse 5. You'll find it says, And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about talking about his youngins came and they, they came to daddy's house and visited with, with, with their daddy Job and they feasted. It says when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them. He rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Continually, Job went to God on his children's behalf. Continually, Job sacrificed and sacrificed burnt offerings to God. He said, just in case, you say, well, that was just a little bit extra. The Bible says, if a man compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. We need to be going an extra mile for our loved ones this morning. If we don't, who else will other than the Lord Himself? If we don't, we're failing our job as a church, as church members, members of the bride of Christ. Continually, Job went to the Lord for his family. Church, mama, daddy, spouses, we need to beseech God on the behalf of our families. Continually. Not just once a year. Not just, well, we passed January, it's time for us, you know, New Year's resolution, you know, we need to be praying, we need to be more spiritual, and then, uh, you know, middle through January, maybe February 1st, we done forgot our focus. I'm serious, it, it needs to be our heart's desire. Let's specifically go to God on the behalf of others. Our missionaries need the backup. Our ministers need the backup. I need you prayers. Our leaders need the backup. It's up to us to be on our knees. Turn to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Again, we're going to read a, a good little chunk here, but once again, just bear with me. We're going to start here in verse 1, Acts chapter 12. It says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison. And delivered him to four. Uh, Y'all, excuse me. I'm gonna try to say this. Cor 
quaternion. We'll just overlook that word. Y'all can read it to yourself. Of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about, uh, about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. He, he himself thought he was just having a dream. When they were past the first unto the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street. And forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad, but she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. And Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go, show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. It says that prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Verse 5. Peter was thrown into prison and they were about to come take his head off like they did James. But the church continued praying. They didn't stop praying. It was two different settings. A cold prison cell, the innermost part of the prison guarded by several different guards. Peter was chained up. And then you have the church that was all gathered up in Sister Mary's house praying on their knees. Peter didn't know it. Peter didn't know what all was going on outside of what he could see. You, you find verse 12, you read down a little further where we read, it says, and where many were gathered together praying. They were still praying. And I love verse, verse 15. It says, and they said unto her, when the girl came and said, Hey, it's Peter. Peter's here. He made it alive. He made it out of prison. He's knocking on the door. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. I don't think they were being ugly. But you know what that tells me? Even the ones making prayer and supplication to the Father, they couldn't believe it themselves. This morning, just a little side note if you want to jot this down in your mind. If you pray, expect to have an answer. Be careful what you wish for. 
Be careful what you pray for. Lord, I, I want children. I'll never forget, I went to somebody's uh, wedding and one of their vows was, I, I vow, if the Lord allow, we'll have a busload of children. Be careful with that. Be careful what you pray for. Why don't we pray to God and then we, you know, it, it catches off guard when He answers the prayer. Like Jesus would say, Oh, ye of little faith. If you pray for something, expect it to be answered. Peter went on telling everybody of what the Lord had done. This morning in closing, prayer is necessary. I know that's just such an elementary rhetoric statement. But we cannot do anything without communication to the Father. We need to be praying for others specifically. And if you are here and discouraged, you feel alone, rest assured, just a stone, a stone's cast away, though it may not seem like it, there is someone making intercession to the Father for you. I'll leave you with this. Romans chapter 8, verse 34 says, Who is he that condemned? It is Christ that died. Ye rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Listen to me this morning. I, I'm going to fail you at some point in time. I've already told you that. I'm man. I'm human. The, the, the people might fail you. We as a people might fail you at some point in time. But we're all going to try to at least point you to a man who will never fail you. That's Christ. People have in their minds a lot of times. And if I'm not careful, I have it in my mind too. Jesus is just up there resting. Letting His hands heal up. Letting His stripes heal up. He's just up there resting. No, sir. Jesus just ain't up in, in heaven just hanging out with the angels. He's not just up there just chilling out and, and, and just hanging out. It says He's at the right hand of the Father. And He's praying for you. Making intercession for you. Beseeching the Father on your behalf. Let that be an encouragement to you this morning while we sing.